Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Mark chapter 7, and which means we're, we're almost halfway through uh, the book of Mark already. It's only 16 chapters, so um, next Monday, Lord willing, we'll be right at the half, halfway point. With that said, we're, we're back to the theme that we saw uh, two chapters ago, and that is the theme of uncleanness. We, we've seen it throughout the whole book. From the very beginning, the, Mark's goal is for us to see that Jesus is the Son of God. But in his ministry, Jesus is particularly engaging with um, supernatural forces. And that, that's the real battle for the souls of men. So in Mark chapter 7, um, it, it begins that uh, the Pharisees are gathered around Jesus. Remember, they're in opposition to Jesus. And the opposition is going to get worse with each passing chapter. And uh, some of the scribes are with them. They come down from Jerusalem uh, were defiled. Uh, that is unwashed. Now, the way Mark describes this is interesting. He says that their hands are unwashed, right? And and given you know the middle of the uh, COVID crisis, I think think we we have a sensitivity to to washed hands. But with that said, however, Mark uses the word defiled, so he wants us from the Pharisees' view to see that to them, the disciples are unclean; they are defiled. And that is a big deal. Then in verses 3 to 4, Mark goes out of his way to describe how elaborate the uh, Pharisees and the religious elites go in washing everything. Now, it's good hygiene, yes. But they see that act of washing things is what makes them clean. And so verse 5, Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? So to them, um, if your hands are defiled you are defiled, right? If, if you eat defiled foods, you become defiled, right? That's religion. What is perceived on the outside corrupts the inside. Jesus is going to argue the opposite. He says the corruption of the inside will be demonstrated on the outside. Uh, so Jesus says, verse 6, um, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And then he adds, verse 8, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the traditions of men. This is always the problem with religion. Religion will always prioritize man-made rules and norms and expectations and all that over the clear teaching of uh, God's revelation. So, um, they, they continue with that. Jesus continues to, to bark at them, and rightly so. Uh, but this bleeds into everything else that, that you find in this chapter. Verse 14, um, Jesus says to, to those around him, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside of a person that is by that by going into him can defile him, but the thing that comes out of a person is what defiles him. So that's that's the thesis. That's the general point he's trying to make. Again, it's not what, if something is defiled and it gets in, you're not now defiled. But rather, if you are internally defiled, unclean, um, then it will manifest itself on the outside. So this is why religious people spend all of their time um, focus on outward issues rather than inward uh, realities. And, and, and Jesus is directing them towards towards the, the, the inward. So the, uh, in verse 18, Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot be defiled, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Then Mark adds this theological note, Thus he declared all foods clean. Now, 
that obviously plays a role into Mark's original context. And you can see that in the uh, book of Romans and in Galatians and 1 Corinthians and others, that what one eats doesn't defile them. Rather, uh, the words we speak, the matter of the heart, right? So so the the Pharisees were worried about the stomach, and Jesus is concerned with the heart, right? That, that That's what matters. He goes on, verse 20, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For within, out of the heart of the man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Think about it. Um, eating bacon, which you couldn't do in the Jewish context, doesn't make one guilty of envy, slander, pride, or foolishness. Uh, it, it, it doesn't. Not washing your hands may cause some medical issues, I, mean, I don't know, but it's not going to make you want to steal and commit murder. Right? It is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And this is something Christians have forgotten, particularly in our allegiance to politics, in our worship of the state. And that we've justified what is clearly uh, unacceptable behavior um, because on the outside, we like policies, we like this, we like that. It's not the biblical content, the, the, the biblical message. Uh, leadership must begin within the heart of a man, uh, character and integrity and holiness, not just on the outside. So um, Jesus says, verse 23, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So whether you eat with washed hands or not uh, isn't, isn't really what, what matters in this biblical context. So don't, don't take me out of context. But what matters is the heart. Because that is going to shape the decisions you, you make. And so in saying this, Jesus is saying you have a corrupt heart because you only care about the outside. He'll say in Matthew that you are like whitewashed tombs, pretty on the outside, but dead on the inside. It is from there we get uh, two stories of healings. Now, remember what we saw two chapters ago. There was unclean, 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 unclean. We've seen Jesus teaching on, on cleanliness, right? True cleanliness is the reformation of the heart. Well, now we're going to see uh, two people who are healed who come to Jesus seeking true redemption. And that's in contrast to uh, the religious elites. So uh, Jesus' entire incitement in verse 24, made clear there, uh, that is um, largely a, a, a lost area, verse 25. Immediately, there's that word, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at him. Now notice, that that the Pharisees are accusing disciples of being unclean because they're defiled, because they don't wash their hands. But Jesus now interacts with an actual unclean spirit. So again, we're to see a connection here. Jesus is engaging war with cosmic forces, demonic forces, but not just in these exorcisms, but in his teachings regarding um, cleanliness and redemption right, and reformation. This is a spiritual battle Jesus is raging uh, against the leaders of Judaism at this time. Uh, verse 26, now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. Again, she, she not only uh, is struggling with um, an unclean spirit, but she herself is unclean as a Syrophoenician Gentile. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter, and he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, this passage gets a lot of ink on it because, you know, Jesus is a raging sexist, you know. And I'm sure he's, he's well, 
that's going to get me in trouble. That, that, that is not the point here. Um, the, Jesus is making a finer point. He's asking the woman, why should the Son of God pay special attention to you? Right Now think about it. If we start asking ourselves that question, because here's the thing. The far majority of the people who are going to see and hear this are Gentiles. And you're no different than, than the Syrophoenician woman. You think that because you have an American passport, you show up in Israel, there's some dude from Nazareth, and that you believe that can heal your daughter, that suddenly you're entitled because you're American? No, you're, you're a dirty Gentile by the Jewish mindset at this time. So why would God pay special attention to you? And notice the woman's response. She doesn't protest. She, she, she doesn't come out with a hashtag, hashtag Jesus is a sexist. Rather, she says, verse 28, yes, Lord, like, I agree. I don't, I don't deserve anything from you, yet you compared me to a dog, and there's a, there's a history behind that. Yet even dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. What's she, what's she saying there? She's saying, look, I'm unworthy of anything, but if I am a dog, can I just have the bare crumbs? That's faith. It's a humble faith. And I think it's something we would learn, don't you think? It's not entitlement, it's faith. So Jesus heals the, the little girl, cast out the demon. Well, then we get another uh, healing starting in verse 32. Uh, now he's in Sidon. Or Sidon. Um, verse 32, they brought him to a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. Those two are obviously often connected with each other. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. It's interesting, Mark keeps quoting the Aramaic. Um, there could be reasons for that, but that would go beyond our purposes with, with these brief devotions. But you see Jesus, once again, healing a guy. Um, and he is, but, but notice the response of the crowd at the end. Verse 37, they were astonished beyond measure. I love that. Um, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. In this case, the deaf and the mute, same man. Now, um, remember that Previously, when Jesus did these things, they asked Jesus to leave. Now knows what they're saying. They're saying, well, yeah, we know he's the carpenter. He's Mary's son. He's got brothers. We, we know them, but he's more than that. So notice that, that they're, they're not professing Christ to be the Son of God yet. But we'll get there. And as the story unfolds, we see more and more people profess what it is Mark has already told us about this man. He is Jesus Christ, Messiah, Son of God. Hope to see you guys here Monday. Hope you have a good weekend. Have a good one.